G'day, mate. This is author and podcaster Tansy Rayner-Roberts from Tasmania, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. Welcome to Too Much Scrolling for July 24th, 2018. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassenflug. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. You know, like going to the Blue Box Cafe. What? We love the Blue Box Cafe. I love it. I I am in there so often. The Maus, the owners of the Blue Box Cafe, are so wonderful. Wonderful people. If you don't know the Blue Box Cafe, it's in Elgin, Illinois. It is a Doctor Who-themed cafe. Great coffee, great sandwiches, and great events. And lots of friendly staff. Oh, what can yeah. you say, man? It's, it's a good place. So we should go there. Saturday, from noon to five, they are celebrating Harry Potter's 21st birthday with a big blowout at the Blue Box. And then I guess they'll go across to the Elgin Public House to have a beer? Uh, yeah, there's a pub crawl on Saturday. At Is the it El- really? Yes, at the Elgin Public House. So it's right after the Harry Potter uh-huh. So Harry Potter, we can go celebrate, uh-huh. and then we can take him out for a beer. Because he's 21. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, happy birthday. All Have right. a butter beer on us. Yeah, do that on Saturday. Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week, and, you know, it's summertime, so I've, I've been watching... I've been watching movies, Chip. <laughs> this is this is when you catch up. This is when I catch up on stuff. There was a new documentary that just hit HBO this week. Okay. This is Robin Williams' Come Inside My Mind. This is a documentary about Robin Williams, who is beloved. But Robin Williams, um, for those who are not familiar with him, was, oh. was an actor and a comedian. Uh-huh. He certainly was uh, on his rise, maybe in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he he actually had an unfortunate death um, just a couple years ago. Yeah, we yeah. we did lose this wonderful, amazing comic genius. And this is the documentary that that reminds us about why we loved him so much. So attention deficit disorder. Do you think it had anything to maybe. do with? Just with this gentleman? Yeah, trying to trying to nail down Robin Williams and keep him calm was probably a, a full-time job for a lot of people. A barrel of energy, yeah. nervous energy, mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, improv. Uh, you know, when I say improv, he, he certainly was not a man that would come on stage with a set, and this is what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, remember when he did the Aladdin cartoon? When he did the voice work for Disney's Aladdin, almost all of that was improv. Uh, Almost none of that was from the script. He changed that movie by the words that he said. We're not even convinced he can read, Steve. (laughs) Because it is. It's all improv. Tell me the feeling you want here, and let me go ahead and do it for you. And he does it, and he did it so well. We, We believed the sincerity of that acting but you mentioned before we started he did some great dramatic acting too he had like two um themes on his movies one were the goofy fun stuff where Mm -hmm. i mean he was just being the the the, the crazy person and aladdin would be a good example for you know it's a disney film but Mm -hmm. and he's a comedian there the other version would be the world according to garp yeah things like um moscow on the hudson um well i was thinking carpe diem which is something that's hard to to get oh that was the son who just couldn't get anything right i read the book yeah. after i watched the movie and dead oh poet society that is such a great film sure sure and, and the one we we talked a little bit about what dreams may come yes where he ultimately as the husband of this woman walk walk through hell in the mm-hmm. surreal movie to find her yeah 
And, oh, just what, what love could do. I remember seeing it and just watching the streams of tears rolling yeah. down. People's, as, as they, they recognized, I mean, what the depths he would be willing to do. So he had this, these, this um, he had two, two sort of themes in his, his uh, movies. Mm-hmm. And um, his personality certainly was, um, so what did we learn? Was it cocaine-fueled, Steve? Well, that's, that's what we learned in this documentary, is, is that persona on stage and on screen was so different from his real-life persona. He was a quiet, deeply hurt individual who had such darkness in his life that he put aside to be the performer on stage. They talk about in this documentary the moment that he's standing backstage being quiet and you're looking at him going, oh boy, this this show is not going to go well. And then he steps one foot on the stage and he transitions into this amazing, gregarious creature. He was he was a tortured soul. Well, I think the, to take this in a different direction, the, the comedians in cars getting coffee mm-hmm. with Jerry Seinfeld, I saw the one where he was talking to uh, Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. And Zach Galifianakis was, I don't know, kind of lamenting his lack of privacy and saying, you know, maybe I don't want all my pictures taken all the time. Yeah, and people can't take him seriously when he he was giving a, um, a speech at uh, a wedding. Yes, yeah. okay. And Jerry Seinfeld just called him out on it. Yeah, he said, "Listen, of course you can." He goes, "We're we're regular people," and I think that is okay. That that is being an older person mm-hmm. working with a younger person, yeah, and giving perspective. Now, I'm not saying. That comedians can't be tortured souls because a lot of comedy comes from you know whatever dark part you had in your life. So many comedians come from a dark place. That's where that comedy sprouts in so many cases. But it takes a wise person mm-hmm. to recognize that doesn't have to be who defines you going forward. Right. And unfortunately, um, I mean that was something that Robin Williams, who was this incredibly deep person, mm-hmm. um, he he did not he. He really struggled. He really struggled with that. Yeah. And this documentary goes into that. This is a very good view into Robin Williams. It's on HBO. Uh, those of you who have HBO should go look at it. You notice I said HBO. I don't have cable. I got myself a Prime discount through Amazon Prime on Prime Day. Uh-huh. I say Prime enough times and got myself an HBO subscription to watch this. So you should you should maybe think about a seven day trial just to see this one. Well, I have HBO. I have HBO, and right. I have that because I have uh, an AT and T unlimited plan right. through my cell phone. So um, I, I will check this out. You should. It's, it is a good documentary. This is not a great documentary. Uh, the great documentaries have a really strong narrative, a beginning, okay. a middle, and an end. This one is a little bit on the chronology side of documentary mm-hmm. that's my only frustration with this but seeing the the life of robin williams again on screen was was well worth it well it sounds like you also got a chance to visit the theater steve yes the theater. I, yes my 12 year old and i went to go see hotel transylvania 3 summer vacation i loved hotel transylvania 1 and 2 i did not love this nearly as much as those two it just doesn't have the same amount of fun to it there's a battle in this movie there's a bad guy that they have to fight and it's it's out of character for these monsters Uh in this movie i liked this movie fine there were some very funny bits especially the the uh 
moment where the bad guy gives Dracula garlic and Dracula goes, oh, this is very garlicky. And the bad guy goes, oh, doesn't garlic kill you? And Dracula, his belly goes, and then he goes, he says, no, I'm just garlic intolerant. (laughs) It was very funny since I'm Eastern European and I'm garlic intolerant. I was laughing louder than anybody else in the theater. This is a good movie. I do suggest you go see it, uh, but I would would rather watch the first one. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Blah, blah. I don't say blah, blah, blah. I say that so often. And, you know, we've had a lot going on uh, with Comic-Con and stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you saw. San Diego Comic-Con wrapped up on Sunday. And boy, I I looked and found as much as I could. They didn't open it up nearly as much as they have in previous Mm -hmm. years. I was not able to see everything. But I, I got to uh, as much as I possibly could. I saw the trailer for the new Aquaman film. Really? Very much a DC film. Yeah, I watched it. And uh-huh. uh, my, if you have high hopes, yeah, probably just go ahead and dash yeah, those. The, this trailer might dash those. The Godzilla King of the Monsters, it's coming out in 2019 with Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, from, from Stranger Things. From Stranger Things. This movie doesn't look all that wonderful either the premise looks odd uh-huh. like this is a this is a character that was dawned out of you know atom bombs mm-hmm. uh and now we've got it to be like uh, some captain kind of, planet oh my goodness all right <laughs> yeah so, there's, a, there's a message there that, that hits you over the head right in the beginning of this trailer i, I think that like, i think the premise is wrong yeah and i, I, th- I think well anyway there I may agree. be other ways of telling the story that didn't involve having this type of franchise right batman the animated series my batman is 25 years old and they had a a panel with all of the voices from batman the animated series sitting down to talk about their memories of putting together this tv show the other voice of god kevin conroy uh-huh. was there and um also the, all the other actors with the exception of who steve mark hamill was not on this panel the joker wasn't there mark hamill was not at comic-con this year Oh, but wait. Yes, he was. (laughs) Mark Hamill attended San Diego Comic-Con as a fan, incognito, not telling anyone he was Mark Hamill. He dressed in a Stormtrooper costume and walked the floor of Comic-Con taking pictures with people. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so there's a a picture that you showed me Uh that is uh, of a young lady. Uh Um, And then there's two Stormtroopers she's standing around. And there was a question from Dad, right? Yeah, Dad asks on Twitter. Twitter. Is this a picture of Mark Hamill? Dear Mark Hamill, did I take a picture of you with my daughter? My daughter is beside herself in this knowledge that you were there. And Mark Hamill replied, yes, that's me on the left. You can go to our show notes and take a look at this. It's a wonderful moment. That's history. That is something that is going to change that young lady's life. She's going to remember that forever. Well, it was a stormtrooper, Steve. Yeah. But he, he didn't, she didn't know he was Mark Hamill. But for Mark Hamill, the ability to, to walk around freely seems to be, you know, you're in this environment mm-hmm. that could quickly not be fun for Mark Hamill. Yeah. And uh, he was he able to away. enjoy himself. So good for, good for him. He also attended the Brooklyn Nine-Nine panel. Now, the, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was a, uh, a television show. On Fox. And that was uh, one of his favorites, right? Yes. Tell us the story. It was canceled. Fox canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine, said they're not bringing it back for next season. Mark Hamill, along with other people, but mostly Mark Hamill, took to Twitter and said, oh my, how can you do this? This show is wonderful. This is one of the three shows that I watch, is what he tweeted. And 
NBC saw that and they brought back Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the upcoming fall season. Wonderful. So Mark Hamill sat in the audience at the at the panel for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Incognito didn't make a, a noise to say that he was Mark Hamill and was just there as a fan. That's He was huge. wearing glasses and a Batman hat, A right? Batman 25th anniversary hat, which should have been a giveaway. <laughs> should have been something that somebody noticed, but nobody noticed him. He's just a guy. He's just a fan. Steve, he used Jedi mind tricks around the people around him. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that explains Liz, this it. This is not the man you're looking for. That's right. Speaking of Star Wars, we said that Disney was not going to be at Comic-Con this year, but there was some Star Wars news. The seventh season of Star Wars The Clone Wars is going to happen. It is a 12-episode cartoon going through the final chapters of The Clone Wars, and that was a huge surprise. Almost nobody knew about that. Shazam, Chip. Now, we watched the trailer for that. Uh-huh. Steve, that was probably the, the DC property mm-hmm. um, that we want to see. I totally agree with you. This looks like it's going to be the DC movie that, that everybody wants to see. In many ways, this Captain Marvel, this Shazam character, mm-hmm. um, could be a, a version of Spider-Man. You know, mm-hmm. what, what do we have? We have a young man mm-hmm. who says the name Shazam and turns into like a Superman-type character. Right. And he's, But he's a kid. Yeah. This is kind of like Tom Hanks big if he turned into a superhero because it's just instant. He's still a kid. He just looks like an adult. And so we, we get all the characters that were introduced a long, long time ago. But they're introduced in a modern setting. It's kind of like a group home. and uh, uh-huh. Foster home. Yep, and yep. obviously they, um, they're going to school and they run into some challenges, Steve. And Zachary Levi plays Captain Marvel in this. And he did a great panel where he explained how truly childish he really is. And so playing this part was not even acting for him. I look forward to Shazam. Uh, it's not coming fast enough. It's coming in 2019. Well, it, it seems like a very fun, playful uh, take. Uh-huh. And guess what? Uh, DC probably needs some uh, levity uh, if they're going to build their properties. Yes. Some fun in your movie is kind of what you need, DC. Speaking of fun, speaking of levity, my highlight of San Diego Comic-Con, of course, was the Doctor Who panel. This was Thursday morning, first thing, and boy, did they ramp up the excitement for the new season of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. So when is Doctor Who the new season premiere? The only thing that they will say is the word autumn or fall. When they're in the United States, they actually say both words. There is no date yet posted for when this is starting and it's starting to get the community really excited because we have a trailer there was a teaser that went out during the world cup last week and then this trailer that dropped during the san diego comic-con and a little video that they filmed on the way to comic-con which is the only view that we have so far of the tardis the doctor's spaceship okay it's only in that little teaser at comic-con and it looks different Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. All right, so t- can you tell me how it's different or not? Uh, it's only slightly different. It's still the same blue police box, okay. but the colors of certain parts have changed. All right. And, and the TARDIS is not in the trailer anywhere. The last time we saw the TARDIS, the Doctor was 
falling out of it, plummeting to the earth, and the TARDIS was spinning away in the other direction. So there's some speculation that we might not see the TARDIS for this entire season. This might be a whole season of just being stuck on Earth without the spaceship. Maybe trying to discover how to get to the TARDIS. Maybe discovering who the Doctor is, because the Doctor is a different actor. Mm -hmm. She's a female now, and discovering what that means for the character. Now, there are, there are some other changes with this story. So tell me a little bit about those changes. One of the things that they are very specifically saying in this panel, they say it over and over and over again, the friends of the Doctor, the people who are traveling with the Doctor, are called friends now. They've been called companions for the last 55 years, and now they are very specifically saying the word Friends. And the question is, what's the difference between a friend and a companion? There's an implication of familiarity that is different with a friend. So I look forward to seeing there are three of them. There are three friends traveling with the Doctor this season. I look forward to their interaction. All right. So let's also um, briefly talk about the, what is it, the uh, the wand that he oh, uses? Oh, boy. You're going to go there? Oh, okay. Yes. The sonic screwdriver is the name of that thing, Chip. Okay. The sonic screwdriver is different for every Doctor. Every Doctor gets their own sonic screwdriver. And the, the one that Jodie Whittaker's Doctor gets is is very specifically a different shape from the others. Uh, she's the first female doctor, and uh, a vibrating screwdriver might be helpful for her. Well, that sounds like that there is something going on there, there, Steve. There is something. In the panel, there was a very specific wording that the showrunner used twice in okay. the panel to indicate that that's exactly what they were going that for. That sounds kind of exciting. It does. I think she's going to be very excited. She's very excited about this whole process. But yes, she might. The, the buildup is, is incredible. <laughs> and uh, The payoff I, will be fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to this. Of course I look forward to this. But Doctor Who is going to be very, very different this year. The showrunner says if you are a person who's never watched Doctor Who, if you know somebody who's never watched Doctor Who, this fall, this autumn, might be the perfect jumping on point because the show is going to be very different. Still paying homage to the 55 years sure. that came before, but a very different show from every aspect. You got a chance to see a documentary on Netflix called Hondros. Tell me all about that one. Well, I've been waiting to see this, and, and it came out last year, 2000, uh, 2017, but uh, we never had a showing near us, and it's now on Netflix. Okay. And so I've been waiting to watch. This is about Chris Hondros. Ken, Chris Hondros is a, a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer. He worked for Getty Images. He, he was known for uh, many of the war images um, that were taking place. He was also a classmate of mine. So we went to high High school together. He was a year behind me. I, uh, I think we've mentioned this before. If I said, you know, I've had a conversation with, I'm sure I've had conversations with this gentleman. Okay. But he certainly wasn't with my circle of friends and stuff like that. We went to the same high school together, and um, that was back in, down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so he um, became this guy who had this amazing life. Wow. And part of being a photographer who's in war areas is you need to be in the war areas. Mm -hmm. So we get the story of, of, of him and sort of this amazing life he had. Many of the images that you have of war, you will recognize. You're like, oh, oh my goodness, I know that picture. I know that picture. And this is the story of, of him and ultimately 
he, he died. Um, he was, um, he had something happen to him and um, during, in, in this area. And uh, this is uh, basically a celebration of his life and document that what he meant to our visual history. So I re do recommend this. This is on Netflix. If you have Netflix, this is the reason why you have Netflix. One of those good documentaries? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and it was, um, I, I, I recommend it. Good right. stuff. Good. Opening this week, we, we don't have any documentaries, but uh, is Mission Impossible, is that a documentary? Is that, is that true, real life? Steve. See, Tom, Tom Cruise is not really an actor, Steve. He just runs. He, he is, <laughs> we saw it in Team America. They have special, uh, this is just a documentation <laughs> of his life, right? Mission Impossible Fallout opens this week. It is the next in the story of Tom Cruise running. Only a little bit of build-up to this. Oh, boy. I, oh, my goodness. How much have they spent on uh, making sure that we know this film's out? I think everybody knows about this one. Uh, the stunt work is the highlight, of course. He does a lot of his own stunts, and I look forward to uh, seeing this in a couple of years when I see the next Mission Impossible. And, and that's exactly it. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, mm -hmm. um, Tom Cruise movies, uh, Denzel Washington movies, yeah. in many ways. They're all like movies you're like, I know this is good. Uh -huh. And if I was at, going to the theater at that point and that was playing, I could go see it and enjoy myself. But, but at some point, I'll watch it, um, <laughs> streaming something, and I'll say, wow, what a good film that was. It's so funny how often we don't see Tom Cruise movies in the theater. That is that is the one that we go, oh, that's probably a good movie. We don't make it to the theater for some reason. But but they it's are they're, they're very capable films yeah. and there is a lot of action. This is truly yes. an action film. Yes. There is an action cartoon coming out called Teen Titans Go to the movies. Get All it? Right. Get that, it? That's I got joke. that. I got that's that. a joke. Now this is um, the, I guess the current generation's version of Teen Titans mm -hmm. which is a superhero property. This yep. is a cartoon. It's DC. How about that? Alright, there you go. And DC has done very well with their television. Yes, stuff. they have. Uh, and, um, Especially for the younger people. Sure, and this uh -huh. is a younger person's movie mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to this one. I will be taking my 12-year-old to go see this cartoon because I love good animation. Uh, there is a special cameo in this one that I don't know if I you ruin but if you search teen titans go to the movies cameo you'll find out a certain uh elderly gentleman makes a cameo appearance in this oh really oh really <laughs> all right steve but we do have a recommendation for this week yes and if you have hulu tell me about it if you don't have hulu get hulu this week this week starting tomorrow there is a premiere of a tv show called castle rock this is happening on hulu this is a 10 hour miniseries based on the stories of stephen king kind of like all of them live in the same village together and they all interact the reviews have been stellar on this all right so uh, i think it was last it was last year or two years ago we read 1963 and then watched hulu mm -hmm. do a production of 19 Eleven twenty two sixty three is the name of that story. Yes. All right. And so our, my my least favorite part of that was the releasing of it once Weekly. a week, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to Netflix like where it's just released all at once. Here's a stack a stack of episodes you can watch them when you want. I think this might suffer from the same problem. All the reviewers got four episodes to review and got to watch them in succession. I I, I think that might be the right distribution model so we'll see what happens with this one but the reviews have been good but this is i this is what if i'm going to watch something this week mm -hmm. this is what i'm yeah, watching me too this is really good me too i love stephen king i love the idea of all of his stories coming together and having another adventure on top of the adventure that he's already written sure and stephen king is behind this they were going to do this show without him mm -hmm. they went to him to ask permission for his intellectual property to be on screen and he goes yes and i'm going to help you 
put it together. Okay. So I have high expectations for Castle Rock on Hulu. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. You have been reading the David Byrne book, How Music Works. This came out last year. Sure. I saw him give us a, a talk on, on this uh, over a year ago, maybe maybe longer than that. And uh, David Byrne is a musician. If you don't know him, he, he was the lead singer of, of Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. He is uh, just a, an artist in general, and he is one of our you know premier uh, music thinkers. Um, okay. I, I, I would say that he's got this mixture of Mister Roger ish personal uh, look huh. with this sort of um, John Waters kind of uh, perversion. Okay, I don't know. And he's an interesting character for sure. sure. And and he wrote music, and his music evolved. So Talking Heads had a very distinctive sound, mm-hmm. definitely part of the new wave movement, uh, but a little bit different, but just a little bit different, and. He, his solo work obviously um, took an exploration of world music. Mm. So, um, you know, whether you're looking, listen to Brazilian um, music or the sambas from certain areas or African beats or, or something like that, he certainly was trying to get in touch somewhere. And he was using um, his, his, uh, this research to kind of put together his music, which ultimately t- led to this book. So we're talking about a gentleman probably in his mid-50s, maybe, maybe older, um, reflecting on his journey of music. Now, he is not, I don't think he's an a academic in this area, but certainly a deep uh, person who's taken a lot of, of deliberate study on his exploration of music, and, and um, this is the book for and, that man. And passing on that knowledge he did all this study of music and now he's got this book how music works to explain it to somebody who who didn't do all this study you know how much i hate music no i don't hate music i don't love music the way you love music i i something about it for a lot of people you know it's the song of their childhood Mm -hmm. you know if you want to anchor something if you want to anchor a feeling a mood or something like that Music is a way mm-hmm. to develop atmosphere. In fact, I, I, I saw something that was incredibly powerful, and, and it's, it's, it's lost my mind. I mean, it's left my mind. But it was something about that is, you know, when you listen to music, Steve, if you had positive emotions during the time that you listen to it, you will have positive emotions. Mm-hmm. If you had negative emotions during you can re-experience those. It goes into the memory in a different way than oh, anything else because it's both left brain and right brain. I think about John Williams' scores to the movies that I love. Uh-huh. That score absolutely gives you that emotional impact that the screen may or may not. Well, this is definitely an exploration of just what you described mm-hmm. there, sort of maybe the feelings of it. He does give it some history of, of early in his life, the beginning of Talking Heads, um, they, you know, their performances at CBGB's. Um, he, he, he talks a little bit of his solo music and, and you know, working in big environments, working in small environments. Um, part of it is sort of where music, as we would know it, came from. He uses African beats, you know, think of drums and congas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and being outside and how it has to travel and how sound has to travel and the feelings that it kind of brings to you. Uh, he talks a little bit about working in clubs 
and you got the music that's reverberating and how it bounces off the walls mm-hmm. and the feeling it gives you right there, how that changes as you move to larger and larger venues. Yeah. You know, eventually you're working in an arena. You can hear it in a lot of artists. You know, if you listen to early, say, I've been listening to a lot of R.E.M. recently. If you listen to early R.E.M., he's got this jangly guitar. Um, you know, by the time they're, they're playing big arenas, you know, the sound is much bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, David Byrne talks a little bit about how that naturally evolves. And uh, we, get, we get an entire study of how he's viewing this uh, music and, and how it works. I do love this book. This is um, awesome. this is a book that definitely took me in an area that I'm not an expert in, mm-hmm. but I, I I know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an amateur, um, it was it allowed me to explore it. So uh, if you have interest in this and you're driving around the byways of Chicago like I do, yeah, it's a good place to to throw it in. Audible because you've got and, the audio book. Yeah. Oh my God! Just throw it in Audible and, and let it let it play and learn something and learn something. There you go. It's called How Music Works by David Byrne. You can find it on our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Scroll with it. So, I'm at O'Hare Airport picking up my friend Bears, who is coming into town to show off a movie that they made here in Chicago, the movie wasn't made in Chicago, the movie was made in Austin, Texas, but showing off the movie here in Chicago, hoping for the best finding bears in the airport, you don't usually see bears in the airport, <laughs> here we go. That was. Well, you look the same. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> Twenty-seven years ago, that's when you wrote that play. Oh, unbelievable! You know, that's pretty much the thing that has set me on my course of my career. Me too. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Yeah. Think about how those moments. Okay, the math is a little bit off. Ninety-one is when you did. This is a test. That was that right. Was the I acted play. in it. Yeah. Yes, you did. You starred in I it. I starred in it. Yeah. And then '92 is when you wrote. It was in the middle of '91, '92 is when you wrote the Monty Python play for you to direct. For me to direct my directorial <laughs> debut. And you put together that show, and man, was it a it was a blast. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Such an ego boost for my whole life, I think. Sure. Okay. We'll head that direction. Okay. See what happens. Okay. You're in Chicago. Yes. So. Everything's a grid. Everything's a grid. Everything's about food. Right. So what is your Chicago food that you're missing out on? Well, for breakfast, uh, it's pretty much anything. I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't. 
I'm not. It's too early for hot dogs, which was my original. <laughs> hot dogs is your thing, okay? <laughs> my Vienna, uncle Vienna beef hot dogs and Italian beef sandwiches. Okay, that's, that's what I have to hit in my two days here. Okay, my uncle who lives in San Antonio. Yeah. When he comes into town, he will do nothing until he gets a beef sandwich. There you go. Okay. That is that is his. He won't. He won't go to any sort of Tex-Mex. He's like, I live in Texas. No, yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> if somebody tries to take you, yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm sure I know a better place than you do for that. Thank Can't you about very that. much. My screening is tonight, and yeah. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress up for that. So I'll go out the other door so they don't see it. <laughs> Is that the name of your autobiography? Go out the other door. Go out the other door. Should be. That's a good autobiography. Go out the other door. <laughs> this is very Hollywood. <laughs> Catering fresh fish cocktails, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Okay. Full it does, bar. It does say breakfast. All right. So tell me all about your film that you're here to show off. Uh, so it's called Prenatal. It's uh, so my my best friend who I write all of my stuff for now. Her name's Sarah Fletcher. I met her when I was in graduate school, and she was undergrad. Yeah. I was when I was doing theater, and essentially I had one guy who was my lead for all my all my plays. Like I did Richard the Third, and he played Richard the Third. Um, I'm good, thank you. And uh, so he was my go-to actor for theater, and then he married this girl, Sarah. Um, and then when I started doing film, we did something all together, and he was great. But like, she was amazing. Like, she was just so like she was so much better on film than I could have ever imagined. So I just started writing for her, and so everything I've I've done, like my feature film that I did, I Crime, I wrote for her, starring, and um, and so I was at I was at a festival for something else. I was at Sundance, actually. And she called me, and she was like, oh, so, well, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, congratulations. And she was like, well, you should use this because wow. it's pretty miserable, and it's probably never going to happen again. I was like, okay. So she basically gave me carte blanche to write something for her to be pregnant. And she's like, so we figured out, you know, how late it could be in terms of, like, shooting and not being too hard, you know, so we found, like, she was seven and three quarters months pregnant. And I wrote this piece. Uh, one of the things I, I had her just talk to me about pregnancy a lot, and one of the things she said was that it feels like there's like an alien inside of me. So I'm like a sci-fi guy, so right. that became um, the premise that, that she had been abducted. Uh, but then um, I wanted to make it about something a little bit more than that, and so uh, it's really a story about her and her sister. And she's very religious. Sarah plays a really religious character, and so when she becomes pregnant overnight, which is what happens one night, one day she's not pregnant, the next day she is pregnant. She's pretty sure that she's having some sort of angel baby. Okay. And her sister is pretty sure that she was abducted by aliens because her sister's atheist. So, wow. So it's kind of about the red state, blue state divide, you okay. know, as a sci-fi. Film. Nice. Yeah. So. That's been my that's my new short. It's been playing at festivals all over the country. I think this is good number, response so far. Yeah, yeah. People like you know people like that it's about something more than just um, just being a sci-fi piece. You know that it has a little bit of that backdrop, okay. um, political backdrop. That's the best sci-fi. The best yeah. sci-fi is about us. It's not about them. It's about us. Yeah, it was my way to talk about abortion, really, because really? it sort of comes out a little bit that the older sister 
had had an abortion, and that was and so she was a little jealous now that her sister was pregnant, and you know it's all kind of unspoken, but it, but there. So, um, but yeah, it, I I was really happy with this one because it was it felt like it was more than just a, just a play. You know, I mean, it felt like it was more than just a script in terms of like had some meaning behind it and had some legs where it could play at non-genre festivals. Because normally my stuff plays at horror and science fiction festivals. But Which you make your own festival, right? I do. I have a science fiction festival, yeah. Um, Austin. Other Worlds Austin. Other Worlds Austin, yeah. We're in our fifth year this year. Um, and that's been really successful. I think it's probably the number one or two sci-fi festival in the country. Wow. So... There's a big one in Boston. I gotta make it out there, man. Yeah, you should come to them. You'd love it. I was in Austin once. Once. You weren't in town. Well. <laughs> was it before I was living there? Or I just no, this was, this was last summer. Oh, okay. Last summer, I, I sent you a message. You weren't in town. Oh, you, were, okay. you were off being all doing some film festival somewhere. Yeah. So, as you do. I am rarely ever in town. And my wife uh, is a really in-demand speaker for her particular field in law. Oh, yeah? So we're both almost never in town. You're just always gallivanting. And then you got the Kickstarter on the on the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, we just had a successful Kickstarter for my next film called Conversion Therapist. And that is by far the most political thing I've ever done. <laughs> so um, still in the horror genre. That's right? a horror yeah, that one's pure horror, no sci-fi in that. Um, but it's about an abduction of a conversion therapist in which they torture him until he will see the lights of his ways. <laughs> And um, I sort of realized that as I was working on that, if I was going to make that film, I was going to have to come out as transgender simply because of the subject matter. And, and that when you make a film, you have to be on the front lines for that film. You have to be willing to talk about the issues in it. And, um, you know, I had a transgender character in it who had gone through conversion therapy. I never went through conversion therapy, but part of the reason why I never went through conversion therapy is I never really told anybody what I was thinking, you know, what I was feeling. Yeah. So, so how long have you been thinking and feeling that, that you were needing oh, a change? Uh, since I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. That's what most people say. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the time. Thir 12, 13, and 14. Those yeah. are the three years that are the influencer on over who you are in so many ways. But, it, you know, at the time, you know, it was the, it was the 80s, right? So, like, I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, we didn't have the word transgender. We didn't even, I didn't even know what a sex change was. We knew what cross-dressing was, you know, because right. we watched Monty Python. Right. <laughs> but that was all done for effect in comedy. It wasn't people who really want, or even drag, we had some sense of drag, like there was like Too Long Fu and The, the Birdcage and those kind of movies. But that was a different thing, and that wasn't, that wasn't what I was feeling. I think Birdcage was, was close. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a discussion about two gay men living together, dressing as women. Yeah. But for me, it had more to do with, like, I just didn't feel like, uh, I didn't feel comfortable, like, hanging out with the guys. And, like, I wanted to hang out with the girls. I wanted the girls to be with Why do you think I'm a teacher? Why do you think I do theater, for yeah. God's sake? I, it was just one of those things, like, I, like, I don't want to talk about sports. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about cars, you know? No, I'm good, thank you. So, I just didn't feel right, and... You know, much yeah. we had so much fun back in the day. Yeah. Putting on shows, just being crazy. High school kids, 
doing crazy high school stuff. Watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was so big amongst our peer yeah. group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still huge. I mean, I still watch it every year. Yeah, do you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't. I want to go live again. It's I haven't fun. gone. I haven't gone for years. It's fun. I don't think I've gone since high school. My best man at my wedding. Yeah. Opened up her jacket. It was a woman. She pulled out a piece of toast for the toast and threw it in the audience. That's like, amazing. All that's right. Amazing. That is now a forever thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> There's, that was huge. That peer group, that, that keeping track of each other, that really honestly, purely caring about each other. Really, for real. Not even pretending. I didn't give you any money for the Kickstarter. This, oh. is, my, this is my support of your film. Well, thank you. I'm not. I, I, I looked at the Kickstarter and I was like, I should give Bears some money right now. And uh, then I didn't. But then you didn't. That's all right. <laughs> We so, made it, so that's all that matters. So now you got it. Now, you're, now, now, you're, now I'm my own boss. You found your groove. Yeah. It's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, we should get going. Yeah. That was a great conversation, Chip. I, I'm so glad to have had the time to sit down with my friend Bears. If you want, you can go to our show notes and you can find all the information about all of the great things that Bears have been putting together for the last, like, 15 years since I got a chance to have a conversation. It's all about connections there, Steve. It's all about connections. We had such a great time. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think, Chip? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we have something special coming up next week. I don't want to spoil it, but you need to tune in next week. Something special is happening. If you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And every day of the week, you can go to our news site, news.TooMuchScrolling.com. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassenplot. We'll see you in the future. I just want to 